0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. How are we doing today? It is so great to see you guys. Everyone watching online in Auditorium 2, thank you so much for being here. If I haven't had the honor to meet you yet, my name is Bennell. As Pastor Chad said, I have the privilege of being the worship pastor here at Calvary. And believe it or not, we are close to two years of living in the Midwest. And I can't believe it. I'm still not used to the cold yet. I haven't ran away yet. You know, I I was telling the last service, what's more frustrating is not the cold. It's the, uh, I can't predict it. Last weekend was 70 degrees. I really thought the Lord had come to Northwest Ohio and then the enemy came back really quick on Monday when it was like 32 degrees. And I, I don't know what you guys did years ago to, to get this anger of the Lord in the Northwest. But I sure can't wait till it's gone. But I, it, is, it has been such a privilege for Skye and I to be here these last almost two years. You guys have welcomed us. And it's been such a privilege to watch what God is doing at Calvary. And who knows the best is still ahead. We have been in a series called New Season. Have you enjoyed the series we've been in the last few weeks? Yeah, it's been, I've loved it. It's been such a powerful, powerful, powerful time in God's word. Looking at this concept that new seasons emerge with fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. New seasons emerge with fresh encounters with the Holy Spirit. And we learn simply that the Holy Spirit is living and active. Not some scary, mystical thing that comes across living, active, part of the Godhead, and we have the honor to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us as believers of Jesus. And this season, we've been talking about the impact of of the Spirit and how it brings new seasons in our life. And every week, we've kind of began with a prayer for the week. And so this is our prayer for this week. Let's look at it together. Heavenly Father, in this new season, would you give us heavenly perspective in difficult seasons? Heavenly Father, in this new season, would you give us heavenly perspective in difficult seasons? One of the things I've realized is that sometimes we hope new seasons bring easy beginnings. Like, we hope that when it's the start of a new season, like, can I catch a break for like a day or a week or an hour? Like, you may have had that thought before. It's like, I, I just went through all this. Can I, can I at least get a day to rest, you know? Like, and we think new seasons also mean easy beginnings. But all throughout Scripture, we realize that's not the case. It actually doesn't really align with a lot of what we learn in God's Word. We're going to pick up back in the book of Acts 16 today here in a moment. And we're going to continue on Paul's second missionary journey. Paul was simply a man who at one point persecuted Christians. He was killing Christians, but he was killing them because he thought they were fake Christians and he was a real Christian. So like, he didn't have completely bad intent, but it turned out a really, really bad way. And then he had this encounter with God. He's walking this road of Damascus, and he has this God encounter that changes him forever. It said he was blinded, and for three days, he has these moments where he's going back and forth. And he experiences God and is filled with the Spirit, and he's never the same again. So then Paul decides to go and be a servant of God and to make more disciples and let people know about what God has done. So he goes on the first missionary journey. And it's a really unique story that I think, without the context of number one, it'll be hard for us to grasp number two. See, number one was really unique because he... It seemed like it was going really well, but there was much difficulty. So he starts in Antioch. He goes from Antioch, and he goes to Cyprus, where his partner in ministry Barnabas was from. Then they take over to modern-day Turkey, as we know as Galatia, and they're going to all these places. Then they go to this town called Lystra, and he's in Lystra. He's preaching in Lystra. And what happens in this town really showed me the character of Paul because he's preaching there, And they take him out of the town and they stone him to kill him. But apparently they were too weak because they stoned him and he didn't die. So he doesn't die. He somehow gets back up. And you know what he does? He runs away. No, no, no. He goes right back into Lystra and continues to preach the word of God. You know what I'm not doing? I'm definitely not walking back into a town that just stoned me to preach again. But Paul was a different kind of guy. He was built different. He was a tough, tough man. And he knew God had him on a mission and nothing, nothing was going to stop him from fulfilling the mission God had him on. So then he decides he's going to go on a second missionary journey. And he had it all planned out. He was going to go to Asia Minor where he had already planted some churches and he was going to go and meet with them. But God had different plans. And this is what we looked at last week on the discernment the Spirit brings, because Paul thought he's supposed to go one way, but God told him to go the other way. So he says, "All right, God, I'm going to listen to you. And if I can encourage you, always listen to God's way." So Paul says, "All right, I'm going to skip Asia and I'm going to go to Europe." So Paul's like, "Why am I going to Europe, first of all? This doesn't make sense." But God said, "This is where you need to go." So they goes over and begins the second missionary journey in Europe. And in Europe... He's in a town called Philippi. And Philippi is unique because it hadn't really been, like they hadn't been converted there much before. There wasn't much of the gospel there. So Acts chapter 16, we we started last week, verse 11, it talks about this woman named Lydia. So Lydia is basically the first convert of Europe. Who believes in Jesus and the gospel, and she begins to have gatherings, like if you wanna call it one of the first like, church planters, was this woman Lydia. And, and I can only imagine how good Paul's feeling. Like he's feeling himself. He goes, Day one, and we already have a convert. He's like, Yeah, let's go, let's get this, right? And he goes back out day two, and it doesn't quite go the same. He goes right back to Philippi on day two, and they're out there, and he's preaching. And the scripture says that there's a woman who is possessed and has the ability to tell the future. So it says she's a spirit inside of her that is not the spirit of God. And that the men of the town, there were men of the town who took advantage of her. So they were using her for financial gain. So they say, hey, pay us 50 bucks, we'll tell you your future. So they were basically taking advantage of the spirit that was in this woman. And they were, that was how they made lots and lots of money until she met Paul. <laughs> so, Paul and Silas are walking through Philippi, and this lady's doing her thing. And Paul basically goes and prays, and then the Spirit leaves her, and she no longer has the ability to make these men money. And who knows when you mess with someone's money, they're gonna get mad. So, these guys got really upset. They got really upset. And basically what happens there, we're going to look at that story from now on, but they get thrown in prison for doing the right thing. Have you ever done the right thing and still got in trouble before? Anybody? Okay, sophomore year of college. English literature. Maybe my least favorite class I've ever taken in my entire life. And not because I love to read, at least now I do, but not because of that. But this class was quite honestly terrible. I'll never forget it. We had a midterm for the class and I was studying and preparing and two of the kids in the class had got the answer key for the midterm. And just to preface, I went to Bible college and yes, kids in Bible college need Jesus too because they're cheating there also. Okay? Just so we all get it out of there. Yes, yes, I did. And they even cheated Christian schools too. So these kids had got the answer key and they're like, look, let's ace this test. So they're like, they're letting people know. But honestly, at this point in my life, I, I won't pretend. Like I've cheated on many tests in my life pre-Jesus, okay? But I had genuinely, I, I, got, I got to be open with you guys. I don't want to pretend like I'm perfect. But at this point, I didn't want to cheat. I was like, look, like I got to cheat. and i got going to go lead worship in chapel after. And like, I'm going to be really messed up here. So I didn't want to cheat. So I studied. I studied really hard. I worked really hard to make sure I was going to ace this midterm. So we get to the day of the test. We get to class. And the professor had found out that two people had got the answer key. And because they got the answer key, the whole class failed the test. That's the exact feeling I had. (laughs) That makes no sense. It wasn't right. I felt like it wasn't just. I lost my salvation for a second, just so we're honest, okay? I wasn't credentialed yet, or I would have lost the credentials too, because I had some choice words for my professor that day, because I didn't cheat. I did the right thing. So why should I have a penalty for doing the right thing? And I remember I had never been so frustrated in a moment before, because all I was doing was trying to do the right thing. Have you ever had that moment before? And it was years later, I remember I was writing a sermon in Hawaii. I was preaching at church, and I felt the Spirit of God remind me of sophomore year of college. And I was reading a scripture, and I felt it so clearly in my spirit that just because you do the right thing, it doesn't mean hard times won't come. That just because you think you're doing everything the right way, it doesn't mean difficulty won't come your way. James chapter 1, he says it like this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We're going to look these next few minutes about some of these trials that come into our lives. We're going to look at what I'm going to simply call prison perspective. Prison perspective. Because I don't know and I don't want to define the prison that you might feel like you're in. And I'm not talking about a physical prison. Like, and I hope I never have to visit any of you in a physical prison. But there are many spiritual, invisible prisons that keep us hostage day in and day out. And we're going to use the life of Paul and Silas and this interaction they had in the prison moment to learn of what we can do in those prison seasons. Because prison seasons don't need to destroy us. They actually can point us to God. See, Paul and Silas understood something that changed the way I have began to live my life. So let's jump in. Three lessons, three things that we learn about prison seasons from this story of Paul and Silas. Number one, we learn that prison, it is a place of misery. That's a pretty given, obviously. You're like, yeah, duh. Prison is oftentimes a place of misery. Look at Acts 16. Let's jump in at verse 19. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was suddenly gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men, Jews as they are, are causing our city trouble. And they are proclaiming customs that are not lawful for us to accept or practice since we are Romans. That is a lie, just so we're clear. They made this up. That wasn't true. They made the lie up in order to get them in trouble and locked up. The crowd joined in an attack against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in socks, Stocks. All because they did what God told them to do. This seems wild to me. Wild to me. That two people following God, being faithful to God, had to walk through this experience. But the prison, especially in the start of those prison seasons, it is a place of misery. Number one, it's the the misery of accusations we experience in these prison seasons. See, Paul and Silas did the right thing, but they were accused of the wrong thing. And if any of you here or at home have siblings, you may know what this feels like too. Because I have an older brother who I love dearly in this stage of my life. I can't say it in all seasons, but in this, I truly love him. We had a Sega Genesis growing up. Yeah, come on. There we go. And I loved beating my brother. See, he may think he was better than me, but I'm convinced to this day I was a better gamer than him, at least at a young age. And we would play, and, and I, but there was times where I'd be winning, and because he was frustrated, my parents would come down, and he'd say, guys, Biddle hit me, or Biddle did this to me, and because he accused me of this, you know what? I get grounded, and I get in trouble. And what I next do is my dad walks out and I actually punch him because if I'm going to get grounded for it, I'm going to at least do what I got grounded for. (laughs) No, but I remember thinking to myself, this is crazy. How can you just believe the words of this guy? He's a liar. Come on. Like, we all know this. But I remember I'd get in trouble because of the accusations my brother would make against me. And I remember thinking to myself, and maybe it's not the accusations of people that are coming your way, but the accusations, the enemy will come into your ear. You know when hard times come, the enemy is going to be in your ear to convince you that God doesn't love you and God is for you. And you aren't living in God's purpose. Like, Look at how hard life is. You must, you must not really love God because if you really love God, you wouldn't be in difficult seasons. The accusations that will continually be built up over and over and over because the enemy knows if he can get into your ear, it'll be in your mind. And if it's in your mind, he can cripple you from walking in purpose. Because the accusations that come in the prison seasons, in the hard moments, and I understand there's different types of prison seasons. Because some of you in this room and at home, you're walking through loss and you're walking through grief and you never asked for this. And I'll even say you never deserved it. But you have to go through, you are going actively through some of these moments. And some of us are in prison seasons that are self-inflicted. You made choices to make mistakes and do things that have landed us in hard places. But you know what? Those seasons don't have to define what the next one looks like. But in the midst of it, the accusations that are thrown at us from sometimes people, but definitely the enemy, can oftentimes cripple us. But didn't just stop there. That miserable prison, it went from accusation and then it went to the misery of arrest. So it wasn't just words thrown at them now. There was action behind it. So it went from people accusing them from the action of them being arrested to happen. And what happens oftentimes in our life is that we go from being just accused, the enemy throwing attacks at us, words at us, to actually being spiritually arrested. We feel like we can't do anything. We feel like we can't move. We feel like we're in a place where God can't work in us or through us. And we feel like we're tied up and chained up. Like just so we're clear, the prisons of that day, they weren't places that you want to be. They weren't nice beds and you weren't getting three meals a day. It was uncomfortable. It was cold. They're probably dirty. It was just stone all around you. It's not a place that you wanted to dwell on any day of the week. And they were stuck in this place because they had done the right thing and they had just happened to be in this prison season. So I don't know the prison that you might feel like you're in today. And I don't know the lies the enemy convinced you of to get you arrested spiritually. But I know that that's not where the story ends. And I'm so grateful Because the goal of the enemy in all of these seasons of these prison moments in our life is to keep us in misery. He hopes that if he can get us in misery and we never walk out of it, we'll never experience what God has for us. See, but Paul knew differently. Paul said, I'm not staying in misery because it went from a place of misery because it transformed to a place of ministry. See, what was once a place of extreme misery now became a place of ministry. What do I mean? Look at Acts 16, verse 25. It says it like this. Now about midnight. I love this part. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. One more time. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying And singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Can can I say something like this? And don't get offended, but if you're not praising at daylight, there's no way you're praising at midnight. If you aren't praising during the good seasons, there's no way you're praising in the hard seasons. How is it possible that Paul and Silas, after being beaten, after having attacks against them, after being stripped down, how can their response to that be praise? It's because of what they were rooted in is what came out of them in a hard season. If you are going to be able to take misery and make it ministry, you have to be rooted in who God has created you to be and what God has done for you. The reason they could lift their voice. Who knows that this was not the first time they praised before? There's not a chance This was the first time they praised. Praise was part of their lifestyle. And here's my encouragement if we're ever going to leave the misery seasons of the prison seasons, we're going to have to have a lifestyle that's rooted in who God is. And He calls you to be free and chosen. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we can step into a place of ministry, even in the midst of misery, we are able to recognize the grandness of our God. See, it began with a place of personal ministry in this story for them. Before they could go out and preach or do anything, they had to take moments for themselves. So when's the last time in a prison season that you took moments for yourself to just give praise and prayer to God? When's the last time you had an individual moment between you and God? So not on a Sunday, but at home by yourself. When's the last time you took moments in God's word to be filled and refilled and to know the truths that he has for you? And when is the last time that you haven't just stayed in a place of hurt and pain, but allowed it to move you to a place of praise? See, Paul and Silas had the... The knowledge, but not just the knowledge, the understanding of what God was doing and how He was moving. And it started with that place of personal ministry because they had to believe the promise of God. They had to believe words like Hebrews chapter 4, where it says, This high priest, that's Jesus of ours, understands our weaknesses, for He faced All the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we find it most. He had to hold on to the word that he knows that he understands our weakness and he wants us in those places. Isn't it spectacular to think that the king of kings doesn't want perfect people, but he wants broken people because it's broken people that he can use the most? Do you recognize that it is in your difficult seasons that he gets the highest glory? He doesn't bring those seasons, but I can promise you today, he has never wasted a difficult season you've walked to. He never has. He never will. And there will never be because that is not who our God is. See, they also knew that God didn't just experience what they walked through. They knew he's listening to them. Look at what 1 John says. 1 John says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. See, Paul and Silas were rooted in these truths of God. And I hope today that you stay rooted in these hopes of God. That when it gets hard around you, when you are in a grief season that... Feels like it's endless when you are in a moment that it feels like there's no, there's no way you're gonna get out of these seasons. And I, and I don't wanna downplay because some of these seasons seem unimaginable. Like, even for our family recently, we, we, we've walked through the greatest grief we've ever walked through these last few months. And I've had to, on many occasions in the misery seasons, ask God, What in the world are you doing? How in the world will you use this? Because I sure don't want to know. I sure hope no one experiences that grief either. But it's in the midst of that grief season, in the midst of extreme loss, in the midst of extreme pain, that I have to hold on to who he is and what he's done before and what he's going to do again. So it was first a place of personal ministry, but the personal ministry turned to profound ministry for them. Because as they began to praise and sing, their spirits were lifted. They watched God turn around moments for them. They watched God take profound hurt and make it profound hope. And that's what he can do for you. In that season where you feel you're so lost, in the season where you feel you're so broken, we serve a God That in the midst of ministry, he takes what seems unmeasurable, unmovable, unchangeable, and we serve the God that nothing is too difficult for our God. And I don't know who needs that reminder today, but he wants you specifically to know that there's nothing too difficult for him, and he will move on your behalf because that's the word he's given us. That's the promise he's given us. So it went from personal to profound and this is probably the hardest one of the ministry parts that Paul and Silas did, that it was a place of public ministry. A place of public ministry. Because that, if you paid attention to that scripture, it said, and all the other jailers were listening. Everybody else around them was listening. Can you imagine what they were thinking about these dudes? First of all, they're probably like, can you please just be quiet? It's midnight. Like, we're in prison. I'm not trying to hear you be happy-go-lucky around here because I'm locked up and I'm getting out. Can you, can you imagine the thoughts of the other prisoners? Like, like, what's wrong with these weird Christians? But Paul and Silas were in phase by their thoughts. Because Paul and Silas were doing something personal for them that ended up making an impact publicly for them. You know that Paul and Silas never, in my like, if their praise wasn't to show off. Their praise was to give back to God. And as they gave back to God, others also experienced it. Do you know that people don't care about you when you're doing well most of the time? But they're definitely looking at us when it gets hard. Isn't it so unfortunate that it feels like it's in our hardest that that's when the most lenses are looking at us? They want to see how we respond. They want to see how we act. How are those Christians going to act when they get a difficult season? How are, I know I've seen them go to Calvary every Sunday morning. Let's see what they're going to do in this season. People are waiting for us to misrepresent God so they can say, "Ha, huh, see? I knew they didn't really believe in that God thing." Prison seasons provide opportunities for public ministry so people can see that we are no longer defined by the circumstance around us, but we are defined by the God who is inside of us and died for us. If your first response in a misery season, in a a prison season, if your first response is to complain on Facebook, can I tell you, can you take that response off your table for a second? If your first response I's to be angry? Can I just like push you for a moment to see what would it look like if our first response became praise? If your first response is to find yourself in a place where you actually aren't even praying or turning to God or seeking God or pursuing God, can I, can I challenge us to be a church that our first response be God, I know that I don't want to be in this season because It's okay for you to admit that. I know I don't want to be in this pain. I know I don't want to be in this hurt. But I also know who you are and what you can do in my family and through me in this moment. And because I know who you are, what comes out of me is what's been inside of me. And that is you, Jesus, King of King's hope for the hopeless. You are joy for the broken. And you are restoration in the moments that seem unrestorable. And he wants to do it for you. He wants to do it for you. These prison seasons are almost inevitable. And these prison seasons are going to be ones that are going to be there oftentimes, more often than we want it to be. But we have an opportunity to represent Jesus in those moments more than ever. But it didn't end there. So what started off as misery became an opportunity for ministry. But it was really just opening the door to be a place of majesty. To be a place of majesty. What do I mean? It was a place where God had the ability to show his majesty all around. What is his awe, his wonder, the grandness, the greatness, the majesty. And I know it seems impossible because how could a prison be a place of majesty, but look at what happens. Acts 19, starting at verse 26 here. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailers awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, thinking that the prisoners had escaped but paul called out with a loud voice saying do not harm yourself for we are all here and the jailers asked for and the jailer asked for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear he fell down before paul and silas and after he brought them out he said sirs what must i do to be saved They said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of God to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. Have you watched this transpire over these last few verses for us? What started off as a place that was brokenness, beating, nakedness, and hurt turned to a place of personal moments with God for then God to see, watch what I can do. The power of God. I remember it was a number of years ago. I was living in Hawaii. I was pastoring there and we had just recently been married, and Sky was at work, and we had an earthquake that was a 5.9 or a 6.1, and listen, if you've never experienced this, it was the scariest thing. I, I, I'll confess with you guys for a second. I may have screamed at a pitch that I can't usually scream at, and I'm so grateful that Sky wasn't there, or she would have definitely judged me as her husband, Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm just standing in my house, and everything starts shaking. Like I am terrified. Things are falling off of our walls, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm dying today. I just got married. What is?" It was the word. I was so scared because you know what? I couldn't do. I couldn't stop the ground from shaking. I had no control. I did not have the ability to be like, "Please, please stop." No, it didn't care. It was terrifying. And every time I read this after I experience an earthquake, I think to myself, what a wild moment this must have been for these guys. What a crazy moment they must have been feeling at that time. Because they were in a place where they had no control. But in that moment, they experienced the majesty of God's power. The majesty of God's power was experienced in that moment for them because God came and showed them what he can do even in a prison season. And there's some of you who have forgotten what he can do in those prison seasons because the enemies convinced you to stay in the misery part. He said, don't ever get past the misery because God doesn't want you and God doesn't love you. And there's nothing farther from the truth because I know that when I come to a place of ministry, I watch his majesty unfold. And I watch the power of God move how only he can move. And we're going to take a few moments here. And we're gonna sing and we're gonna worship and we're gonna believe. And even tonight, shameless plug, six p.m. If you're free, get here tonight. We've been praying and we've believing that God's gonna move in a way tonight that we're gonna watch prison walls come down. Even today, in these next few moments after, we believe God's gonna break some chains free here. But we we are we are so expecting for what God's gonna to do tonight. But as Paul and Silas turned their misery to ministry and the majesty unfolds, and and this story is wild for me because they got to experience God's power when their chains were set free. I just want to put ourselves in a moment. You're in prison, you're chained up, earthquake comes, the chains are gone. What are you doing? I'm running out the jail. Because the Lord just came. The Lord, I'm like, the Lord is in this place. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm out that place real quick. I don't care what anyone says. That was what the the Lord wanted me to be free. But you know what Paul and Silas do? The earthquake happens. The majesty of God's power comes into that place. The grandest. It's crazy. God did a, probably the biggest miracle they may have experienced does it right there. And you know what they do? They stay in prison. What's wrong with these guys? Because that's not what I'm thinking about doing. My first response is, God must want me out of this prison. Except for the fact that Paul understood Roman culture because he came from it. And he understood that if a prisoner got free on your watch, it was your life for theirs. And Paul understood that all the ministry and all the majesty of God's power, it wasn't just for them to run out that jail. It was really for them to experience the majesty of God's providence. The majesty of God's providence. What do I mean by this? All of it led to this one moment. All of it led to this one experience where one man... And there was much more that were impacted by this. But in that moment, the power of God that set their chains free, Paul knew this is bigger than just me. Paul knew all of this, the misery I experienced, the personal moments of ministry for me and God, the majesty I am now seeing. It wasn't just for me. And I'm here today to tell you, your prison seasons are not just for you. Those difficult moments you're walking through are not just for you. The questions you have are not just for you. There is a ability, the majesty of God's providence comes in those moments for others to be able to experience who God is too. Listen. Where we thought it was about freedom to get out the jail, Paul knew it was about providence for God to provide a way for a jailer and his family to get saved, and then for so many more to experience God's power. And God wants you to know in this place, at home, that when He moves in power, it's just not for you to feel good about yourself. It's so that people in your worlds can experience Him too. That your loved ones and your family, the people in your neighborhood, the people at your work, the people you don't like will get to experience God because of the majesty of God's power you experience. Amen. And my heart has been burning for days with this because I know, I know in these seasons and in these moments, oftentimes we're so, we get so consumed with what we're going through and we forgot that God has more than just that. It was about Thirteen years ago, I had the opportunity to take a trip to India. And so I went to India. My parents are both born in India. They were raised there for part of their lives. And we went back to visit my grandmother who wasn't doing well. But while we were there, we did some ministry. So we went to a place called Orissa. We traveled to these villages. And it was one of the most magnificent experiences I've ever had. Like we're, We're going to these villages that they have no power. They have no running anything. But they're so hungry for God's word. I mean, like they waited hours. Our car broke down, and they waited hours for us to get there. And they just—they—they—they they, they exuded joy. But there's one really weird thing that happened in, in in one of these villages we went to. We go and we get there, and it's really cool, except for the fact that there's a fully grown elephant just right there, like three, four thousand pounds. Like, I like if you've never seen a wild elephant. This is not a circus elephant, okay? Like, these, are, these aren't trained to do tricks. These are massive animals, and I am like, okay, this is terrifying. First of all, I was like, why is there a wild elephant in your village? So I, I tapped my translator, and I was like, hey, man, like, should we be worried? Like, should we, like, should I, should I hide behind the car? Like, what's happening? He was nah. Like, like don't, don't worry about it. I was like, no, I'm definitely going to worry about this, like, for sure. He's like, nah, 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 don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. I was like, what do you mean it's not a big deal? And he goes, well, you see this? And I'll I'll never forget it. There was a little stake, a small stake, not even deep into the ground, with a thin chain that's wrapped around the leg of the elephant. And I was like, he goes, you see that? I was like, yeah. He goes, when this elephant was young, we staked it into the ground with a small chain, and as it grew, we never let it realize how strong it was. So as it got bigger... And as it got stronger, it believed this small chain could keep it down. It had convinced itself that this is it. This small chain was big enough and strong enough. And I remember, listen, forgive me for thinking this way, but I remember thinking this must be the dumbest animal to ever exist. You are three, 4,000 pounds. With a little chain. One step and this chain is gone. And it was in that moment the Holy Spirit Spirit said in my spirit, you're just like that elephant. You're just like that elephant. And there's some who are here and in A2 and online. That the chain is so thin. But you've convinced yourself that you can't break free from it. You've convinced yourself that this prison is too strong. That it has control over you and your families. has control over your life and how you live. You've convinced yourself that this little chain. And I remember thinking to myself, I just wish I could tell this elephant to take one step and to watch how good life would be, not stuck in this little place. And it was that day that God told me, I wish I could tell you, Beno, to take one step. Because, you know, years ago, the enemy really thought he had Jesus in prison. When he heard the chance that we want Jesus set Barabbas free, and it trickled down to that road to Calvary where he's crucified, and he gets put in <clears throat> the tomb. And in that moment, the enemy said, I won. I've got him. I finally, finally got him. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and conquered hell, death, and the grave. But it didn't stop there because he said the same power that conquered hell, death, and the grave lives inside of you. So this chain can't hold you because of the power of God that dwells inside of you. And I'm here today to let you know it's time to break free from those chains. It's time to stop letting those prison seasons defy you. It's time to stop allowing what seems like misery to stop you from experiencing ministry that leads to the majesty of God. Because what would it look like if we were a church that was filled with the majesty of God? Not a perfect church and not an easy church, but a church that walks through prison seasons, but a church that walks through hard seasons. But at the end of days, we know not a single season Not a single moment can stop what God can and will do. And I'm believing that there's some folks today here at home in A2 that God wants you to know that there's more for you. The grief you've been walking through, He wants to walk through it with you. The loss you experienced, He wants to know he can fill that space. The addiction that's been holding onto your life for too long, it doesn't have the control over you. The unforgiveness that's been dwelling inside of you. I don't know what the prison is. And it's not my job to define it. But I sure know what he can do with it. I'm going to pray in a moment. And after we pray, I'd love for a moment of just praise in this room. Whether you want to sit or stand or if you want to come find a place right here at these altars, it's open for you because I am firmly believing, because this is God's word for us, that there's freedom here because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So chains don't have to walk out of this place with you. Prisons don't need to control you anymore hurt can't overcome you anymore and it's not that you won't feel the pain it's the fact that you know who is greater and stronger than the pain not a single season is wasted in the hands of our savior not a single season goes wasted i don't know who needs to know that but what you're going through will never be wasted so as i pray And as we take a few moments to worship together, I believe in this place, at home in A2, freedom is going to fall in this room. Breakthrough will come in this place. Deliverance will come for you. Because the Spirit of the Lord is here. God, thank you. God, thank you for these moments. God, thank you for your people and your word. For what you've taught us over and over. Holy Spirit, even now, begin to do a work in hearts right now. Those chains that should never have had the control to do what they do. We pray even now that you begin to break them off, Father. Whether it be grief or hurt or loss or unforgiveness, habitual sin. You're you're breaking cycles. Generational. You're breaking cycles today in this place at homes. My God. My God. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power, it's in the name of Jesus. And there is power, it's in the name of Jesus. Come on, it can break.
1: Oh, it breaks every chain, breaks every chain. Break every chain. Come on, if you're believing it, there is power. There is power, it's in the name of Jesus. Oh there is power in the name of Jesus There is and there is power It's in the name of Jesus Only oh, breaks to break every, break every chain Break every chain Break every chain There is power and there is power It's in the name of Jesus Oh Lord and there is power, it's in the name of Jesus. Oh, if there is power, it's in the name of Jesus. Oh, to break every chain, break every chain, break every Break every chain Break every chain chain. To break Break every chain Break every chain Break every chain chain.
0: With every eye closed just for a moment If you're here or in A2 or at home And you say, Pastor Pennell, I'm just so sick Of these prisons holding me captive I'm so sick of feeling overwhelmed and unloved and forgotten. I'm so sick of it. So tired of these chains. Having control that they should never have. With no one looking, Would you slip your hand up just for a moment? Your hands across this room. Hands across this place. You can put your hands down. I believe that God wants to move in a way that freedom comes in the ability to take misery to make it ministry and let God's majesty unfold. It's not necessary that you get run out the prison, but the prison becomes a platform for God to do what only he can do. So as I pray here in a moment, would you believe with me in your hearts that he's shifting to a prison perspective to know that this is not the end, but just the beginning. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that in these moments we recognize your goodness. In these moments we recognize your faithfulness. We recognize your power. Even now, Holy Spirit, I just feel so heavy, but there's some in here who have been in these prisons chained up for far too long all because they forgot the power that comes inside of you. God, I'm praying even now that you begin to break the yoke that's been carrying for too long. Won't you lift the weight, Holy Spirit? Won't you do what only you can do? God, thank you that bad seasons don't make you a bad God, but you are faithful in faithless seasons that you are good on the mountain and in the valley and everywhere in between, that you are the God that you say you are, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning, the End, the Jireh. God, you are the Messiah. You are the Provider. You are the you are the Nisi you are the one who comes you are the one who moves you are the one who breaks the chain. Just a mention of Your name, Holy Spirit. We pray for marriages right now that have been on the rocks and they're ready to quit and throw the towel in. Holy Spirit, won't You mend supernaturally what only You can do, Father? We pray for healing for those who are sick in this place. That we pray for breaking of addictions of pornography of alcoholism. God, we come right now for even pride to be broken. Every chain that's held us to be a slave, no longer has a place in your kingdom. God, thank you that your word is true. God, thank you that your word is yes and amen. God, thank you that we can hold on to your promise in every season of life. God, all the glory is yours. All the honor is yours. All the praise is yours. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Come on, give God a praise just for a moment. Church, thank you so much again for being here today. We know God is doing so special in your lives. We can't wait to see. If you're free tonight, 6 p.m. right here. We hope you join us. If not, we'll see you next weekend. Love you guys. Have a great week. Take care.